Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week, we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. Hi, I would like to welcome Holly Johnson, the Chief Science Officer of the American Herbal Products Association, back to Herbal Explorations. Last time you were here, you discussed APA's tonnage survey, which users found extremely informative. This time, we have the pleasure to discuss sustainability, in particular, APA's Botanical Congress, whose focus was on sustainability. There were a total of seven informative sessions in this year's Botanical Congress. What was your favorite session, Holly? Let's just jump right in. Okay, cool. Thanks so much for inviting me, Wilson. Always a pleasure to hop into your studio and, and chat botany and especially sustainability. So yeah, we had a really excellent botanical congress. It was now a couple months ago, but this is an idea we've had rolling around for quite some time in terms of really focusing in and entire days worth of content on sustainability concerns. So I think out of those seven sessions, it's always hard to pick a favorite. We had a lot of different topics, but I think probably my favorite one, because it you know, informs so much of the work that that I do every day was the the session on some case studies on actual um, you know crops, some of our, our favorite herbal medicines that have actually been already affected by climate change. We had three excellent speakers come and give from from APA member companies and, and give some different examples of specific crops. Um, in the United States and globally that have been really already affected uh, by, by climate change and, and these types of things. So I think that was probably my favorite session. Yeah, that session was one of my favorites as well. Bill did a great job moderating that session. I think it was called Climate Change is Real in case studies on it. That was really great. What are some of the highlights and main takeaways that you had uh, from this year? Yeah. Okay. So really great to kind of dig into those case studies. I think also one of the coolest sessions was uh, where we featured youth, youth um, climate activists or just, you know, um, different young people that had been involved in in fighting climate change and doing things um in their own communities. And, and so that, that was really, really a highlight. It was cool to see some, some young voices. And again, Wilson, you know, um, it's, mm. it's, it's our kids and our grandkids that are going to be the most uh, affected by this as time goes on. And not only with just access to herbal medicines, but, um, but just in general, you know, how, what types of plants and things um, that might be able to grow in, in certain places. So I really thought that was great. And, and, you know, children can be uh, unpredictable, um, but we, we mm. really, got some cool voices in there and some uh, from a variety of different uh, communities and you know from kids in their own neighborhood that are just doing things that, that they're concerned about the environment to actual activists who are, who are working in communities specifically with um, with these issues so I feel like that was definitely one of the highlights of the day for me was hearing from the youth and, and what they think about these issues in this ever um, emerging concerns around climate. Yeah, I think so too. I really liked to see that energy and enthusiasm that youth brings. And, you know, it's great to see how engaged they are in the in their own communities and the issues that they thought were important. And it was just, you know, a, a beacon of hope. <laughs> it, you know, Wilson, that is kind of how we tried to end the, the whole day um, of the Botanical Congress was, okay, we've presented kind of some serious case studies, some issues, some things we should all be concerned about, and, and including hearing from the youth. But I think at the very end, there was kind of this emergence of 
what can we do going forward? What can we, you know, what not only what are some of the youth activists doing? What are people in our own community, companies in our in our industry doing? And and I'm I'm glad you got that too, that kind of feeling of hope because I think that that that's what we're all rallying around now that there is work to be done and and hope for the future. Yeah, as you know, I'm a parent of uh, two very young children, so I think sustainability and what the future holds uh, is in my mind often because of that. It's like, what are they going to have to deal with is always one of those things like, how is the world going to look different than what we grew up in? And I think that's a great question about this whole sustainability bit. And I think that's why we chose to focus season two of Herbal Explorations just around the topic about sustainability. So we do a real deep dive into some of these topics uh, that are, you know, should matter to us whether we're in industry or not. And in, in particularly how sustainability issues impact our industry beyond, you know, the obvious of the plants themselves. Um, what was a little more personal question for you, Holly? I, I want to ask about, uh, you know, who your hairstylist is so I can, you know, work on my hair, but uh, <laughs> I won't ask for that secret. But what was your personal, uh, what was a main personal takeaway around sustainability? Is there anything that you took away and said, hey, I could do this, you know, at my own micro level versus like at a company level or macro level? Was there something like you said, hey, uh, you know, this is something I could adapt myself or in my life? Yeah, I think that's a cool question, Wilson, you know, because we we think about what we can do in our professional lives all the time. And I know, you know, probably you, like many of us, we've been recycling since we were little kids and, you know, those types of things in our everyday life. But I think one of the themes that really kind of hit me personally, not maybe in terms of a change I could make necessarily Mm -hmm. in my life, but that really a theme that kind of hit me of the overall, um, you know, of the Congress and of the, the questions that came up was that, Even just five years ago or so, I feel like in industry, when I first started thinking about um, these things, and, you know, APA has really always been focused on sustainability of the plant populations, right, and kind of conserving our our wild plants that we collect and rely on. But more recently, um, also focused on, you know, the other pillars of, of sustainability in terms of economic and social concerns. But I think what I see emerging now is that even five years ago, it seemed like sustainability was kind of an extra thing, right, that companies, herbal product companies could do. And it was some of them, as you and I are both familiar with many APA member companies that have had this as a part of their mission statement, you know, some of them since the 70s, right? But but many of them were kind of starting to onboard these ideas and themes in their companies really because they uh, more of a marketing thing in a way sometimes, like we realize that consumers will pay more for this, um, this kind of a thing. But I feel like now it's, it's really, really come around to be not just something so that, you know, corporate leadership can, can sleep well in their bed at night, knowing consciously they've, they've done the right thing, but also um, it's being demanded more um, in terms of just um, all the stakeholders, uh, boards of trustees, um, shareholders, this type of thing, as well as as consumers, and increasingly, uh, sustainability issues are, are are coming down in regulations um, in terms of packaging and these types of things. So I guess one of the things, and I, I know you asked me personally, this is kind of an industry thing, but that really getting into the upper levels of of economics and CEOs and budgeting and and really corporate health and and that kind of thing in the leadership 
realizing that sustainability is not just something we need to kind of do a report on, but this is really integral to the success of our of our business going forward, not just our industry. So it's I feel like that that consciousness is really what struck me personally is so many CEOs, leaders um, in our business are really starting to think seriously about about sustainability issues in terms of survival and and not just uh, you know having nice um, marketing things, but really in terms of ROI and bottom line and and being able to like uh, you know yeah. really succeed and go forward as a, as a corporation into the future. I know you're laughing, Wilson, but it's true. No, but it's <laughs> you need buy-in from the upper echelons for any of these things to go forward and make change. No, I'm laughing because what you say is so true, right? It's not about like the fancy reports and the, you know, glossy marketing and, you know, these things that, you know, we, we seen throughout the industry and whatnot, but it's one of those things that, Hey, what are you doing actually doing and how, what is the ROI? And I think some of the things that we do, we may not have a good way to measure them as of today. So we just went yeah. solar, fully solar, at our building, our warehouse, uh, New Herbs. And Great. thanks. Uh, I think one of the things that I, through that process, I, you sort of look at energy, right, consumption. And you're like, why is energy one of the first things most companies tackle? Well, because it's measurable. It's the ROI is known. Um, there's so many tools, right? We all have, whether at our homes or businesses, we have these meters that tell us how much energy we use. Therefore, we yeah. also <laughs> say how much energy we saved or didn't use from the grid. And that equals, you know, there's calculations where we plug into neat calculators. And so I think a lot of the things that are measurable are measurable because there's a complex ecosystem around it. And because of that ecosystem, um, some things are easier to do than others. I think, you know, when you start talking about what's your carbon footprint out in the wild, meaning like in the world where things are not as easy and metered and neat, right? I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, as we're thinking mm-hmm. about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, right? Mm-hmm. And th- the hurricane hit Florida. And, you know, um, you think about it, like what happens if a company goes on a generator for a week, a gas mm-hmm. power generator for a week while, you know, they're getting back up to, their regular power sources, let's say solar, for example, well, then your scope one emissions, which is your upstream emissions, will look different that year <laughs> for that vendor. <laughs> and are you able to really capture that in a easy or e- any way, right? Like how, do you ch- how does that change your calculation now? So I think a lot of this stuff um, will become more measurable as more tools are brought online, but I think it still will be a messy world, but we got to do what we got. We got to do the things that we think are important and will make an impact, right? Whether they're measurable or not. I think you're exactly right, Wilson. And that's what a lot of the, you know, kind of companies in the, in the supplements industry right now are grappling with is 
how do we, you know, what do we do that's going to be worth it, that's going to really change things, but also how do we measure that and track that throughout the year? So like you said, there's the electric meter on the wall and you can say, okay, last December we used this much, this December we used this much, we're doing something good there and that's good. But that's really one of the foci we've had in the APA Sustainability Committee is how do we help members learn how to measure these things, whether you're focused on, you know, a manufacturing, uh, you know, energy in a plant or something out in the wild, you know, what impact does the, does your, do you have on the, you know, ecosystem kind of thing. And I think we so we had some people come to the Congress that uh, told us about projects they have going kind of innovative things. And one of the things I learned, you know, you hear about these planting, tree planting activities, right? And you see on somebody's website, it turns out I use a cosmetic product that's by, that has one of these. And I didn't pay too much attention to it before I kind of started thinking about this issue. But, you know, it says, okay, for every dollar you spend with us, one tree is planted or something. And I'm like, wow, you know, I just spent a hundred bucks on cosmetics. That's a lot of trees. Okay. Or, you know, I can't remember the exact uh, equation, yeah. but then you, but then you start digging deeper and what does that mean? Like our, our, and I'm sure there's, there's some planting organizations that are doing excellent work and some that are having efforts, but may not be as really beneficial in the long run. So a company can claim, yes, this many trees planted, but if you just take a tiny little seedling and put it out there and you plant it, it probably got eaten that night. You know, how do they, does that actually turn into a tree? And, you know, so what are the, the kind of things and you can evaluate these different projects um, to try to make sure, you know, you're putting your money or partnering with people that are really doing doing good work, you know, and it's sometimes, Wilson, you're laughing again, but it's hard to tell sometimes, you know, and I think many organizations are very well intentioned. Um, but again, this is part of, of our job, too, is trying to figure out how, you know, where, how to invest it to, to really get to these goals and to have, you know, what does carbon neutral really mean? What are these carbon credits and how do you calculate that? And so, so this is going to be also an issue facing us going forward is what type of metrics do we use? Is it, you know, and, and are these metrics valuable and, and really, you know, holding? Yeah, and and I shouldn't play poker because I have no poker face. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you the worst poker face. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's 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 one of those things that it made you know what you said made me giggle inside, and maybe not inside, maybe it was really outside, and it just came out. <laughs> but you're absolutely correct, right? Like, you know, I was reading about you know, oh, this great you know ability to take this drone and just do like this seed drop basically for trees right and, and that is could be counted as planting i guess right and you know versus like what we do for our sister brand new traditions where we plant a tree and we're planting a sapling and the tree has to grow um because it's part of other programs as well but you know it's not a sapling it's really like the tree is like this big already like so it's gonna take root right. and whatnot and we're growing it, we're actually growing it aside our ginseng. Um, so, you know, we know by the time we dig out the ginseng, that tree is rooted. Uh, so I think there's all sorts of definitions of it and what is the real impact of it. Um, it it's one of those things like these studies, and, and I, I always, and it makes me giggle too, because, and not giggle, but almost like pull my hair or lack of hair out in frustration is because they're so specific to that microclimate and that location, right? If you do a study in Brazil about 
the carbon you're taking out and whatnot, is that gonna is that same mathematics gonna work for some place in northern China or in Eastern Europe? I'm not well, a scientist, but <laughs> I have my suspicions. Well, yeah, or the Pacific Northwest of the United States or wherever. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's that's gonna continue to be an issue too, Wilson, as we've heard in some of those case studies where you know, crops that have been grown in a certain area for the past decades are now being affected um, by whether it be hotter temperatures, more rainfall, less rainfall, you know, one of the many different things that affect, like you said, each different region differently. Um, how do you adjust for that and, and, and plan going forward that you actually may have plants growing in, in areas where they didn't used to grow, right? And, and so whether it's stuff that we've cultivated for decades on end, that now the conditions are changing in those areas we've been cultivating, or things that we may be bringing from the wild into cultivation, uh, you know, what we used to get from wild populations, um, everything about a, a geographic region where something is, is you know, used to growing can affect the chemical profiles. I mean, you talk about stuff, there's so much there, Wilson, and I'm a scientist, but not this type. And, you know, there's just so much that goes into it. There's things from, you know, endophytic fungi to, uh, you know, soil organisms to soil conditions like pH to other things growing around, including animals, predation can affect production of secondary metabolites. So there's just so much to consider about, you know, not just cultivating the plants, um, but, but really getting the, the, the quality of material that you want. Thank you so much for joining me, Holly, and I hope to see you at Supply Side West. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure, Wilson. I'll be listening to your, to your upcoming vlogs and, and, and be really uh, excited to enjoy season two of this really cool uh, show you've been doing. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to give us a rating too.